This episode is brought to you by marketing consulting firm, the Bonafide Lyrics and Marketing, LLC, where creativity meets business. You can check us out at www.theblm.com for more information on how we help local artists and creatives maximize their business presence. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, boy. Yeah, yeah. It's the All Love, No Fear Podcast. Hey. It's hey. the All Love, No Fear Podcast. Hey. Check hey. us out. Hey. It's the All Love, Oh, No Fear Podcast. Podcast. Uh-huh, podcast. uh-huh. All Love, Oh, No Fear Podcast. Hey. Hey, what's going on, everybody? We in the building. Welcome back to the next quarantine cast that we got. Yes, welcome to season two, episode 20 of, of the, the All Love, Love No Fear, Fear podcast. We are here Word. Um, in the building, um, ready, ready to pod. Yep. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, if we sound like we've been challenged because we haven't been outside to do anything fun, in a long time, it's because we are. Um, breaking news, um, Crop Over is canceled, and my heart is, you know, just broken. I literally screamed when I saw the post on Instagram. Crop Over has never been canceled in the history of all of my life. It has never been canceled. I understand why they canceled it, truly, honestly, but also, I am saddened. I am saddened. As a Bayesian. At this point, the only carnival still potentially happening is Grenada, Jamaica, and St. Lucia. And at this point, I just need them to cancel theirs because theirs isn't even as good as ours. So scrap crap over this. People might not know. Get on the internet, people. I really don't know. Just scrap this. Or just Sure. Backstory. <laughs> <laughs> I'm from a beautiful island nation known as Barbados. Obviously, you've heard of us. Everyone has. Um, yeah. It's not part of Jamaica. Plot twist. It's a whole separate island. Whole situation. It's crazy. So, back in the days, um, you know, slavery, um, what would happen when... Okay, so let me backtrack. So, yes, Barbados, beautiful island. Our main export is sugarcane, followed quickly by Mount Gay Rum. Um, which is made from the molasses, which comes from said sugarcane. So sugarcane is our export. Let's just call it that. Um, and so when they brought slaves to Barbados, it was to harvest sugarcane. That was, that was what they were doing. They picked cotton in America. We harvested sugarcane. Same concept though. Hot, backbreaking work. You get it. So, um, when the cane season was over, what would happen is this big celebration where they would celebrate the season of cane harvesting ending. And it would be like a parade with the last of the cane that was cut. And it was a very celebratory event. People would get dressed up and, you know, do all that. So over the years, it has turned into a more festive um, activity with costumes. Like it's a whole season. So like it starts off with like the ceremony of, you know, the, the ceremonial last uh, pieces of cane and you have the male and female, the top male and female um, cane cutters of the season, whoever cut the most cane, they, you know, do a parade to kind of kick off the season 
and it's like a whole whole shebang. And it's like a month and a half of events. Um, the last week is really where it kind of gets amped up. Like it's all the soca competitions and picking the crop and this and that. And I'm sure they've changed the names because I haven't been to a crop over in a very long time. But essentially, it's like I said, a six week long festival celebrating Barbados heritage, history, um, music, all that jazz. So it typically culminates in a big, um, we call it Kadumit, Grand Kadumit. Um, it's a big parade basically that runs along the, I'm geographically challenged. Um, I want to say like the Southeastern side of the Island, um, Southwestern, um, Southwestern side of the Island. Um, and basically, like I said, people have costumes, there are bands. Like if you've ever been to Eastern Parkway or to Caravana or to Trinidad Carnival, it's the same kind of concept. Like it's bands, it's trucks with artists performing on them and, you know, various celebrities. Like I'm sure people have seen um, pictures of like Rihanna at, Car at Cropover. She goes every year. So you've probably seen pictures of her in the costumes. I think last year she went, she kind of broke the internet with the costumes she had on, but you know, she's Rihanna. She's Barbados, obviously. Um, so yeah, like that's basically a big thing. It's a big, it's a big thing for us culturally, as well as, cause that's when all the hottest music comes out. Like you get all the jams around crop all the time because all the artists want to enter the different competitions or whatever. And then, um, it's also a big tourist time for us. That's when a lot of the people like myself who have ties to the country, but live in other parts of the world, come back. Um, it's also a time when, you know, uh, the British and, you know, former colonizers and things of that nature, they like to come see what's up in the little colonies they used to have. So they come to crop over too. So it's a very high, high traffic time of year for us as a country. And so I'm sad, A, because the actual festivities aren't going forward anymore. And there's also another part of it, um, NIFCA, which is the National Independent it's basically a creative arts thing. I remember participating in it when I was a kid. My school choir, we went and participated in NIFCA. Um, so that's not happening either. So it's sad because, you know, it's a big part of the country's, like, fabric that isn't happening. And I'm like, I'm 34 and I have no recollection in my life of it ever not happening. Rain, snow, sleet. I mean, it doesn't snow, but you know what I mean. Um, it's always happened. So between us losing out on that and then the money that's being lost as a result of it is, you know, I'm nervous to see what the impact is going to be because the country's already losing money because of this whole COVID thing. So people aren't coming in the numbers that they normally would. And crop over is easily the busiest time of the year for the hotel and tourism industry outside of like Christmas. So I can only imagine how rough it's going to get um, financially because of them having to cancel it. I completely understand and agree with why they would, because, you know, the people that would be coming there are coming from places that bring coronavirus. And so they don't want that, obviously. But um, yeah, I'm sad. My heart is broken. Work. Work. That's it. Um, but yeah, um, that's basically what's been going on in, in my just, head. I was just thinking, like, you know how countries, they say you have to, like, get shots before you go somewhere? They just start saying you have to get COVID-19 shots before you come here. Yeah. People start saying that. I don't want it. 
Yeah, I mean, I think all of us who are coming from the United States and specifically New York and, and California, I think going forward, like a lot of places are like, do you have your shots if we not fixing a... You can't come in. We cannot. We not fix unless you come in here. If this is what you're getting ready to do, like you just yeah. not. Because you can't. Because you can't do that when you go to certain countries anyway. So it might just. It was just update. So it's not a new concept. Yeah. Yeah. Lasai, oh, what's happening with you? What's going on? Um, it's going all right. Just um. I'm just moving on. So I figure everything out. Oh, people, people understood that. Oh. Oh. Sorry for the yawn. The yawn was aggressive. Um. Quite. I, I, I thought I, you were going to like reel that back in a little bit. I just, no, it, it just it kept going. Uh, I tried to start doing um, webinars. My Sorry. I started doing webinars, um, Microsoft Word webinars with um, Uniondale High School in New York. High school? Uniondale um, Library, not high school. Uniondale <laughs> Library. And then I'm going to do a um, resume workshop on this Wednesday coming up. For Uniondale Library, Uniondale Public Library, uh, you can look up Uniondale Public Library website to see the class and sign up for it through there. But um, yeah, I'm doing a resume creation workshop for that. Word. But um, I've just been like trying to figure that out, trying to work it out. Um, but yeah. Um, also they, working from home is susceptible. Yeah, working from home trash a lot of times. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think that um. Well, oh, yeah, shout out to people on Spotify. Yes, yes. Google, we never, we never Google Apple, uh-huh. all them platforms. Right. So shout out to all the people who listen at all the places. We appreciate you. Thank cool, you so much. Clear, clear website. Thank appreciate you. y'all. Appreciate all of you. Um, and especially people at home. Thank you for taking the time out of your at-home schedule. To right, that. to be listening to us. Because I'm like, it's one thing to be like traveling to work. But I'm like, when you're at the houses, you're really sitting listening to a podcast. Come on. Um, I'm gonna. I'm not gonna front. I've fallen off of my podcast listening since yeah, I've been I, home. I have also, so I appreciate y'all for listening. Yeah, I I, I have too. Cause I used to listen to podcasts just at while, the house. At the house, yeah. It's yeah. not a not a normal thing that. Yeah. Podcast listening is my traveling. Yeah, activity. it's a sort of traveling thing. Yeah. Yes. Since outside it's closed again, um, but for some people it's closed here. Yeah. It's not closed everywhere. We'll get into that later. All right, but um, let's go right into our love it or lose it. Fire level loot. We usually have four choices, and we have to each choose one to lose, throw away, never see again. Went to love, hold on to. Um, no one, no one ever knows. One person usually chooses the questions, and the mm-hmm. other person never knows what it is. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna Christian's turn this time. So it is on you. All right, love it or lose it. So. I was thinking, you know, because I've said before here that pot the outside is closed and it doesn't seem like they're opening it back up anytime in the foreseeable future that would be amenable to me or the rest of the world. So I just decided let's fantasize about where we would vacation if we were outside, you know? Let's think, let's, let's think about some ideas for when we do eventually go back outside and we go places. Because we all got vacation time because we at the we at the house. We we ain't using our time. We're at the house. So we got days when we go back to work, know what I mean? We got days. We, we hope so. I wish they would. Yeah. Try to sanction my days. I think not. Run me my run me my days or run me my money. Sis. Okay, so vacation types. Love it or lose it edition. A city vacation. And by that I mean I know cities. Yes, I know what you mean, but I'm like just giving people an example. <laughs> like you wanna go to like a Paris or a 
Madrid. I mean, they got the Rona, but you know, things of that nature. Um, a beach vacation where you, you know, go on a resort and you're on the beach all the time. And you're getting your hair braided and you have sand between your toes and that whole shebang. Well, I don't know if you're getting your hair braided. Anyway, um, a cruise. You're on a boat with all the things you could ever want in this world. Um, all the entertainments, all the foods, all the things. And it stops at various places and you're able to get off and live your best life. Or a road trip where you get into a car with someone or someone's and you drive and you do, you know, very like, you know, you stop at, uh, at rest stops and you, you know, stop at a couple little local hotels and spots here and there. And you just road trip it from like New York to California or something nuts like that. So yeah, those are the four vacation, vacation types. Which one would you love? Which one would you lose? Throw away forever. Never ever do. All right, doing lose first? Yes, lose first. Get that road trip out of here. Um, oh, okay. All right. Um, I'm only saying that if I'm driving. Okay. If I'm not driving, then we can hold on to it. But if I'm driving, no. Okay. I don't want it. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to drive. Up. I don't want to drive. Up. I'm not that excited about driving. Um, <laughs> it doesn't thrill you? It no. doesn't, it doesn't give you what you need? Like, I, I like road trips if I'm not the one driving. Okay. But usually if I'm in the car, I feel like this, I'm not driving, so... Yeah, you can't be that guy in the car that can drive but doesn't drive. It's just not. I don't. I don't want to drive. It's not realistic. I just, I just want to be in the backseat and like laid out and not. Yeah, that's not. Because drive road trips are, are great sleep, so I, I enjoy the sleep of it. I, you get great sleep in road trips, but I. If I'm from driving, then not. So no, that's that's get the, get that out of there. I okay. Don't, I don't want to drive anything. Okay. My loser is road trips too, but it's because I get. Like, I feel like my body has a limit on how long it can be inside of a car before it's finally like, that is absolutely enough. <laughs> um, I've done road trips before. I've ridden from New York to, to Georgia before, like a number of times. Um, I've ridden from New York to Virginia before. I've ridden from New York to the Maryland, D.C. area. Basically, every state between New York and Georgia, I've done some type of road trip to at some point in the last... 15 years. However, um, I've come to discover that it's my least favorite of the things. Like after a while, I'm just like, I'm not getting back in the car. Like, I think I have like an eight hour limit for road trips. If it's going to be longer than eight hours, cut me out. So basically eight hours means I can make it to Virginia slash Raleigh, North Carolina without losing it. After that, I'm not getting in the car. Like that's canceled. We're not we're going to have a find, have to find a new mode of transportation because I'm not <laughs> like, I feel like I, I get like sick almost like I'm, I, and I'm not a motion sick person, but it's like, I feel like when I'm in a car for too long and it's just like highway and, and bales of, of hay on the side of the road. Like I just get, just what? it's just too much and I can't take it. Um, I don't understand the people who enjoy it. But you know, I, I, I feel like for a road trip to be successful for me, I would probably have to stop every four hours. Like, okay, so we drive four hours, we stop here, we spend the night, we get in the car again, we drive four hours, we spend it, like, I just can't, I can't be in a car for, like, continuous hours of time. So people who be driving from, like, New York to California and Texas and stuff like that, they're smoking crack because I would never, I would never. I mean, in all fairness, that's the only way that people can cross straight state lines safely um, these days if they have to. Um, but yeah, no. Like, like I, I have, I, I think I, I've always thought about doing that, doing a road trip somewhere. Mm -hmm. 
but like I would need to have like there would have to be like four people in the car and all four who could drive mm-hmm. so that like when I'm tired I can just like hey you drive right I do agree with you that road trip sleep is delightful I have yeah <laughs> I've been in the back of some cars not yeah I, like I need to be in, I, I, like if I'm doing a road trip to California there needs to be four drivers in our car. So I'll that, meet you in California. I'll meet you at LAX. So that I'm when, I'm, so when I'm driving, someone else will switch. Like I, I think I think that's my issue. My, my issue is driving straight. Yeah. Like because I want to I want to drive a little bit. I'm like, all right, you got it, you good. Like, right. Yeah. Because I, I understand sometimes I do want to drive. Like I want to hurry and get there. But after a while, I'm like, all right, I'm tired now. You should you should get in this. You know I mean you know what I, and I, and, I, and I need I need to, them to have three other drivers available. Mm-hmm. So that like I have time to sleep while they're gotcha. driving. Like, yeah. I think my my trepidation with road trips is the horror of going to sleep in North Carolina and waking back up in North Carolina. Nothing nothing it's, breaks your heart more than that. It's usually North Carolina. Yeah. Like I'm just like I've been asleep for five hours. North Carolina. Why am I still here? North Carolina would that would happen. Good God. It's just it really is spirit crushing. <laughs> Honestly. It really does crush your spirit North, to wake up and go, I'm still in North Carolina. North Carolina would do that. Jesus yeah. of Nazareth. It's just it really doesn't. It really does it's it's not encouraging, you know? <laughs> it's not encouraging. It does not make me feel better about the road trip. Um I think too, my other issue with road trips is the switching of drivers. Like I'm not a driver, but I'm always nervous when it's like a driver I'm not really that familiar with or that comfortable with takes over. I'm like, ah, crap. So I got to be up for the whole rest of this thing because I got to keep my eye on this individual because I don't know. I don't know how they drive. I don't I don't like it. I can't sleep. I'm on edge till we switch again. So I'm just like, I would like, rather like, rather and, not deal with that it, level of anxiety. And I, I'm, a, I'm a terrible, like, driver assistant. Okay. Can I sleep? I'm a terrible driver you assistant. Can't, and, and I'm like, you cannot do that. Get in the back. If you fit in the sleep, don't sit in the front seat and be sleeping. Eyes. No, I, I want to open, but, but that's why that's why I can't be two of us. The kind by that we need. That's why I can't be two of us because I can't I can't be a driver. I can't do it. I'm a terrible driver assistant. Yeah, I'm like, listen, our homie don't play that. If you going to be the driver <laughs> assistant, them eyes need to be open. I'm a terrible driver assistant. We will get you some Starbucks, some Mountain Dew, whatever it is you need, but them eyes need to be open. I'm because if that driver eyes start closing, I need you to be like, hey, yeah, I, hey, I am a terrible driver assistant, really. Okay, so. I've had some great driver assistants before. Driver assistants would be awesome. Yeah. A good driver assistant, so, so I, I know the vibe of a good driver assistant. That's why I'm saying you shouldn't buy a dick unless you were driving a lot of it. I'm also a pretty sketchy driver's assistant, depending on, you are on, on when, you're, it, you're, when it takes not, place. You're not, you're not that good sometimes. <laughs> I know. There are times when I'm great, and then there are other times I'd be like, I can't get I'm driving. Out. I'm like, I'm looking around a little like, Chris is knocked out. I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> But it's true because I remember the last. I don't know where we drove. But I had fell asleep on you. I didn't mean to. Like quickly too. I didn't mean to. I didn't even realize I had fallen asleep. I woke up like, damn, I fell asleep. That's crazy. Yeah, I, didn't I, I think we were driving, and like as soon as we got to Jersey Turnpike, you were knocked. I was like, already? I was tired. <laughs> I was like, already? Not- tired. I wasn't. I didn't. I didn't prepare <laughs> enough for this. I was tired. I'm sorry. I was like, no. Don't All judge right. me. You don't know my life. Um, moving on. Love the it. love it. Um, I think my love it. Um, City Cruise Beach. I think I'm gonna go with City. Um, because I'm into like historical things and museums and like 
like sites of interest and like gardens and in in fountains and stuff like that. I like that kind of stuff. I'm like, let's go here. Let's go to this like historical church. Let's go to this like music. Like I that's my idea of a good time. I love it. I like to just when I go on vacation, I like to like go places and see things and do stuff. So I feel like a city is really exciting because it's like, oh, there's so much to explore. There's so much history. There's so much stuff to learn. Um, I'm also a slight nerd. So I do I do believe that vacations can be educational as well. And so, um, yeah, I think a city vacation would be exciting to me. Like I would love to go to like a London and like learn all about what be going down in the London streets and like visit like Westminster Abbey and like all those like cool uh, historical places. If I'm just going to the city, I like the city. If you you said the word vacation though, so yeah, no, you know what I want to do on vacation is not is do nothing. <sighs> All I want to do is lay out. So beaches where I'm going, I just want to lay out and do nothing. Because <laughs> you said the word vacation. If, if you said we're just going somewhere, which way that's going to go? Like city school, I like going to city and doing things. Awesome. If you're saying vacation, nah, I'm ready to do nothing. Cause I, I'm, I, I, I cause you know what? I, too many times I've gone on vacation, and I came back and I was like, I need a vacation for my vacation. But did you learn things? Did you have wonderful experiences? Yes, but my goal, is your life changed forever? My goal is to come back refreshed. You can be refreshed. I'm not gonna be refreshed. I'm gonna come back tired. Well, I don't know. You need to take your vitamins or something. I don't know what to tell you. I, 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 I come back refreshed. Cause I didn't relax. Cause I was out here trying to do stuff the whole time. This is this is a fundamental um, <laughs> discordant situation. That's, that's, that's why you got to go with our friends, so you can so y'all y'all can all so we can split up. So, so the group can... of us that like to be out and about in the streets can go places, and the people that like to sit at the house <laughs> can stay places. Like that's just gonna that's how it's gonna happen. Because in our circle of friends, I think everybody is married to the person who's the opposite. Yeah. So it's like literally. I, I think, I think you, you going out with Mark Francis and Dalton. Yeah, like and you you Mona and Elena are gonna be at the house like so. Not good. good. I'm just like these bums, because <laughs> we try to hit the streets. We try to see what's up. Y'all at the house, like I guess we'll see you when you get back. I'm like, and we'll be fine. We're like boring, boring. I'm trying to get out there and see the. I'm trying to get to the things. I'm trying to see go, what's up. Go have fun with the things. I'm knocked out. <sighs> you I'm, guys are boring sauce. I'm done. Boring sauce. I, when I go on vacation, I'm ready to do nothing. I'm do, that, that's what I'm ready to do. I'm ready to do absolutely nothing. Right. Like, every time we go to Barbados, I'm always trying to take Mark to, like, 37 different places. I want to show him everything. And Mark is like, no. no. If you're doing a, if you're doing a um, six-day vacation, I said, three of them days, you got nothing. And I'm like, well, that's a waste. <laughs> it's a total waste. Three of those days, you do nothing. There's at least one day I feel like we could, like, make something happen. No, three of them days, you do nothing. I just, I don't understand why you don't want to know more about things. <laughs> yeah, um, I do want to know more about I don't think so, because you don't want to go outside. You don't want to do anything. I do want to go outside. <sighs> so three days. Like I just just the idea of just sitting on a beach for six days. Like what what is that? What why? I don't say six days. I said half. I just I just we can, the beach is there. Yes. We can go, but I feel like we can split the day. No. Like we can go to something like in the it morning. It takes forever to travel somewhere because no. You're just I just don't. Wherever you go, it always takes forever to travel. You always try to pack days with things. But because I want to take advantage of the time. But you do that. You do that at home. You do that at home too. You don't try to pack days and things. So because because you never know. Look, outside's closed. We never thought that would happen. See, last time we went to Barbados, I was trying to go to things because I was like, I don't know when we're ever coming back. And look, we're not going back this year. That was on the agenda. But look, that's not happening. Okay. So see, maybe you should have done the things that I wanted. It's to not do. gonna be closed forever. I don't know that. 
I'm not being dramatic. I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. I don't know when it's going to be open again. So I'm just saying, you know, you, you do what you want. Okay. That's right. Okay, but you would you would prefer beach. Yes. Okay. All right. Um, we we still it. have to try a cruise that 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 was on our agenda like back in 2017, and then I found out I was pregnant and like the Zika virus was a thing, and they were like, nah, um, don't go outside. Yeah, Zika was a thing. Yeah, so we we oh, so many viruses. Um, <laughs> like Zika was a thing. <laughs> Zika was a thing. Um, it didn't hit like how Rona's hitting, but um, yeah, Zika was a thing. So. My doctor was like, yeah, you're not going on that cruise. So, Because uh, you went to Barbados in the time. Yeah. Yeah, but I wasn't pregnant then, that first yeah. time. But I know I was worried because I know mosquitoes be trash. Yeah, they do. They do enjoy you. I don't know why specifically, but... I, I, you know, it's, it's a blood type. Yeah. They, they, I, they're, they're, like, they're like O positive. Whatever it is, I don't have it. They don't, they're not interested in me. They're, they're like O blood. O blood just be gone. I, that's, that's, I found out it was o, o, they're like... They'll eat all the time. All right. So we good? Love it or lose it? Yes, we are good on love it or lose it. Love it or, or lose it. it. Hey, love it or lose it. Hey, 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 love, love it or lose it. it. Ow, ow. Or lose it. Hey, hey, hey. 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 Main oh. topic. Main topic. Uh, white gays. Lead the people in. So. This this sound like a fool when you say that one. And not white gays like white homosexuals. I mean white gays like G A Z E. Yes. Okay. I probably should. This sound like a fool when I literally was reading what I wrote on my screen and I wasn't thinking about how it sounded. Yeah, I was like, it does sound would be homophobic. No, no not, like, not not white homosexuals. White G A Z E gays. Z, yes, gays like sight, like looking. <laughs> you know. Yes. Um. So. What we have watched um, this past week was the show that came out. It came out on Friday, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, I think so, Friday. Came out, it's called Hashtag Black AF. By Kenya Barris, Kenya who Barris, is the writer of uh, Blackish, Blackish Mixed-ish, Mixed-ish And he also did, like, America's Next Top Model. Um, and with, um, Tyra Banks. With Tyra Banks. Um, his resume is actually quite impressive. Uh, he's been involved in a number of movies that we all know and love um and oh he went to park atlanta so he's an hbcu grad hey um sorry i was i didn't know that um he did that astronomy club the sketch show which is a good show which is hilarious it's, the, it's a very good show if, if you have not seen astronomy club get into it it's, it's very good it's the jokes it's real good. It's it's all of the jokes, 100. percent Is that uh, Netflix? It is Netflix. Yeah, I yeah. think it is on Netflix. He yeah, also, if you if you want to get into some laughs, watch Astronomy Club on Netflix. Yeah. Um, he was a writer for The Game and Soul Food when they were on TV. He wrote Girl Strip. Um, he was a co-producer for Little with Marseille Martin. I'm like these blackish people keep it in the family. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like they they stay with one another. Okay. Yeah. And he was also um part of the uh screenplay for the. 2019 remake of Shaft that had uh what's that boy's name Brandon Jackson is that his name I might be lying about that um but the new uh the new Shaft guy um Jesse T Usher that's his name um Samuel L and um Richard Roundtree so yeah so basically he wrote a show called Hashtag Black Mm Ass um we're only at episode seven now yes um so that is eight episodes so we got two more to watch yeah, we're on episode seven, and we, I think it's funny. And I thought it was funny when I saw it. It was mm-hmm. cool. And then, like, I saw Twitter, and apparently Twitter was like, "No, it's so stupid." 
And I was like, I didn't want to watch it, relax. And, and we want to specify which Twitter. Shea Butter Twitter. Shea Butter and Woke Twitter. Shea Butter, baby. Shea Butter, Woke Twitter. Shea um, Butter Twitter. Um, so basically the show, what is the show called? So I, so I can stop saying the um, Seinfeld's writers thing. What is that show called? What show? Seinfeld's writers um, show. Curb Your Enthusiasm? Curb Your Enthusiasm. It's it's in my mind it comes off like a black version of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yes, which I find Curb Your Enthusiasm to be hilarious. And I do. I do find it hilarious. And it comes off kind of like that. That's how that's, it kind of introduced that way. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit I think it looks has a little more I guess deeper points than that. Mm-hmm. Curb Your but that's what comes off as. Yeah. And like but I think the best way to describe it is like blackish on full throttle. Because I feel like the way it's kind of laid out, it's like Blackish always kind of incorporates like, uh, and I guess this might be his style, but um, Blackish and Mixedish also incorporate um, like real life um, events yeah. into the story yeah. of what's happening in the particular episode. And he kind of does that same thing with the Black AF show. And it's kind of like, I feel like the characters are, the, the characters in Black AF are the characters from Blackish, like on steroids. Correct. So like, I, 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 it made me realize that. So like, I was. I made me realize that Blackish is really he raced it off his life. So yeah. Blackish so is supposed, like, supposed to be like a um, uh, how, how what are the, the terms for for the reality kind of show that's not reality? But it's, it's, it's like it's like a mock, mock reality show. Yeah. Because it's supposed to be based off of his actual life, his mm-hmm. actual kids. Yeah. I guess the term he said basically he wants to like highlight how his parenting style is mm-hmm. and how he is as a father. Mm-hmm. So it kind of highlights that it's not his actual family, but it's supposed to be um, a representation of it. His family. So the first thing that got me confused about the whole thing was Shea Butter Twitter being upset about Black AF. I'm like, but y'all like Blackish though. This is just Blackish well, so, elevated. So, so what's... sometimes I don't like Blackish. Oh okay, well, I guess so. Alright. Yeah, I don't get it. But, you know, go off since. Yeah. Go um off. but yeah, so the um and it it's was, it was like basically it was he talks about that and like sometimes it's there he's uh quite aggressive in how he talks to his kids. <laughs> and everybody. He's yeah. he's not a fun person. No. His, his, he's not like, but I don't I don't think he's meant to be likable. Yeah, I would hope not. I would yeah, hope not. I if if likable is what he was going for, he did I not. I don't think it's built to be. He did not hit the mark. Like the likable person and everything. Like mm-hmm. he he came off. He's supposed to come off a certain way. Yeah. Um. And the response to the show has been very polarizing. Yes. Like either people like the show or they absolutely can't stand it. Like there is no in between. Yeah. So what was interesting is in the first two episodes. They talked a lot about white gays. Once again, mm-hmm. not homosexuals. Not, 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 not homosexuals. We don't care who G- you love. Live your life. White, G-A-Z-E. Meaning yes. how white people view you. Yes. And how that, he was saying how it affects how he does things and everything. Mm-hmm. And um, like, I, I feel like it was some interesting points to it where he was saying like, if I, if I'm downplayed and I don't, um, if I dress to um, casual and everything, people just think I'm a broke black person. Mm-hmm. If I too dress too flashy, they just think I'm just um, I'm just a, I'm a, I'm trying to dress like a rapper and everything. Mm-hmm. And like even like when he was talking about a chain, he was like, yeah, I wanted this chain this whole time, but now when I wear it, people looking like, oh, nice chain, you do it too mm-hmm. much. So it's like it was, it, was, it was like the whole thing was just basically saying like how sometimes everything that I move, it's just 
I'm doing things for that white gaze. Right. He, he kind of goes through it throughout, or, throughout or, a lot of episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He kind of goes through that throughout, throughout the episodes, too, and everything, which was interesting because that kind of played into the comments that were being said. Because mm. I feel like the comments were being said was like, oh, why you got to review us? People got, why black people got to be viewed a certain way and everything. And mm. stuff. And basically, the comments were people getting upset at the how people are viewing you, which is white gays. Mm. <laughs> exactly. So it, it was, I think it was ironic that the same way that people didn't want to see, um, People were worried about how people were seeing black people because mm. of it, because which is which is white gays mm. is also the topic of the actual show. Yeah, what they were going through. Yeah, um, I I thought it was interesting too because I'm not gonna front. The first two episodes, I was like, I'm not sure if I like this show. To be fair, I wasn't paying attention like 100 percent while it was on. I was like working or doing something. I was on a computer, so I was kind of like in and out. So I was like, I'm not sure if I like this show. Um, but I went back and watched it again and, you know, I could see why it would be a turnoff to some people. Cause again, the main character who you see a lot of is not, uh, a person that you would immediately or instinctively be inclined to like as a viewer. Um, but what I did like about what he did with kind of opening the show with that conversation, um, is to kind of highlight that. And I don't know if I've ever thought about it in reality, but to highlight that even the richest of us still worry about what white people think about what we're doing. It's like, this is a guy who, and I'm, like I said, like you said, he's acting out his life in, in the show. And it's like, I just read his accolades to you. This is a man who should absolutely not at this point be worried about what anybody, black, white, yellow, green, or pink thinks about him like his work stands the test of time and speaks for itself the man has been in the industry and doing his thing for a very long time so you would think that someone of his stature um and that has achieved what he has achieved would not be even remotely concerned about what people think of him and so i think i thought it was really interesting and really um I don't want to say clever, but I can't think of another word right now, but really, really like poignant of him to highlight that, you know, the people that we kind of look at as um, major like celebrities who are like, who have got it all, who have, who have achieved, you know, the quote unquote American dream, who have gone on to do big things, still also deal with this white gay situation. It's like, when does it ever stop? Correct. And like, like, it's and like we've been taught it. Well, not we, but because when I say we, I don't necessarily mean we specifically. But black people specifically in in this country and the world in general have sort of been taught whether we want to admit it or not. We've sort of we've sort of been taught and we've kind of raised our various generations to kind of move in a space where we're always constantly thinking about what white people will think. And it's like, what he's showing is like, it's, it's not sad, but it's almost kind of like hopeless. It's like, no matter what I achieve, I never break out of that. Like I always stay thinking about that. 
like no matter what, like even though I'm like, I have proven that I am just as capable, if not better than my peers, but I'm still thinking about that. Like no yeah. matter what I've achieved. Yeah, and the funny thing is he kind of breached that and insecurity in like a more recent episode with when he had Tyler Perry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I guess that, that's why I say it that was, was a great episode. By the yeah, way, it was a good episode. Watch it. But um, basically, his concept was like basically they saw. I guess it was a, it was a black movie that came out, mm-hmm. and I guess in his mind it was like a terrible movie. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't like it. He didn't like it at all. Mm-hmm. But like a lot of black people were saying that it was a good movie mm-hmm. and everything, and and he was like. He was like, in terms of like screenplay and everything like that, say it's not really a good movie uh-huh. and everything. But like, he kept saying it was a, it was like a movie, and and he was like, he um he was always worried about how people would view him mm-hmm. and how he views that. So he had a conversation with Tyler Perry, and he was like, how did um how do you navigate this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like always um worry about what pe um uh, what people care. Like you seem like it doesn't bother you what people, how people feel about your work. Mm-hmm. You kind of just do what you want. Mm-hmm. And Tyler Perry was like, I don't care what nobody Because he's like, I'm writing a story for a certain audience. Right. I know what that audience is. I write, write, write for audience through a lens of a certain audience. And I don't care what anybody else thinks. Right. If you do not like it, that is fine. It's not for you. It I'm never was. And I'm that's not, fine. I'm not trying to appeal to you. I don't. Like, I'm appealing for the people who enjoy my content. Who enjoy the dialect dance, who enjoy the like to the contact way the yeah. speaking. Like those those are the people who are appealing to. Right. If you if y'all do not like it, then that's fine. Basically. <laughs> I, I'm not that means it's not for you. Right. Never that I'm appealing to a certain audience and that's who I'm gonna to cater to is my audience. Right. And me catering to my audience has made me who I am because they they want to hear what I have to say. Yeah. yeah. But not everybody else would. Right. Which is fine. And he said that's yeah. fine. And it's like, and he and he was saying, it was like you gotta you gotta stop worrying about what everybody else is saying, which mm-hmm. kind of goes into the white gaze. Yeah, because I think you know Tyler. The, I think the reason that black people have a problem with Tyler Perry is because they're looking at Tyler Perry through white gaze, because they feel like what Tyler Perry is doing is making black people look bad to white people, and because Tyler Perry, Tyler Perry continually again and again says, "Menak here." Yeah, what he, nobody got to say. I'm doing what I feel is authentic to me and to how I grew up and to my life experience. And it's like some of us black people cannot handle a black person not caring about white gays. And I think that's ultimately why so many people dislike Tyler Perry. Yeah. Like he it's was, not he necessarily like, that like, you think his care. quality of work is bad. Like a lot of times underneath it is the fact that you're concerned about what white people think about what he's doing and how it reflects on you somehow. And that's why you don't like it. Yeah. Like, and he he's like, I don't care about the Oscars. He's like, y'all keep worrying about what the Oscars say. And like, he's like, who cares? Who cares? I don't care about none of that. Right. He's like, I'm talking to my certain audience. Right. And I know it's receptive because that people keep coming to my show. So like, yeah. people, 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 people have come to my shows for years. Like, like he's he at one point he was doing shows like three, four shows a week mm-hmm. for a long for for mad years. Yeah. And people kept coming to the show. He was like, people come to my show, so they like my shows. Yes, like I'm not. I don't care what public opinion is saying because they don't know what's really going on. Right. Like regardless of how much you might think, like oh, public opinion always talking about him, always making fun of him. Fine. But his shows are always packed. Right. His plays, his plays were always packed. People were always going to his shows, meaning that there was still a market for it. Right. The reason why he was able to buy that studio was from that money. 
Right. Because he was able... People were still coming to his shows. People right. Purchased, and like, people still watch, you know, House of Pain and all of the 37 shows. Tyler Perry, how many shows Tyler Perry got on TV right now? A lot of them. Like, he's got House of Pain, like, playing on in syndication on, on um one of the channels. Um, Then he's got Sisters. He's got The Oval. He's got that Ruthless show mm-hmm. on um on uh, the BET Plus. Then he's got uh, another show on, I think, Nickelodeon or one of them. Tyler Perry got about 37 shows on television right now. In addition to the movies that BET play all the time, um, in addition to the stuff he's working on on his like the man he's he's found the lane he's found the niche and he's going with and it's funny Tyler Perry said something similar to what Kevin Hart said in his documentary. Kevin Hart said, you know, when it comes to Rotten Tomatoes and all these people giving these reviews, I don't care about that. These people are never gonna like yeah. what I do. It's never gonna happen. But the money that these films make speaks for itself. Yeah. Obviously, people want to see this. So what am I getting myself worked up about what a bunch of critics or reviewers think? The numbers speak for themselves. Yeah. The, the audiences are coming out to see what I'm doing. The critics may not like it, but that doesn't mean that I should stop what I'm doing or I should alter it. Correct. Because it's clear to me that the audience I'm trying to reach out to is receiving what I'm putting out. Correct. And I was like... I see the connection. You right. You right. You right. I got it. I got it. But it's it's true. It's like so. I I think it's it's interesting when you to like when to move without worrying about that and just move for your catered audience and just yeah. go from there and stop worrying about that. And I, I it was just inter- it's, it's interesting to see that. Yeah, because to me, like. And we're gonna get back to some of the Shea Butter Twitter comments in a minute. Well, let's let's get there. Let's jump on into it. One of the comments or the things that people were complaining about was that Rashida Jones is not black. Rashida Jones is the daughter of Quincy Jones. Number one. Quincy Jones is black royalty. If Rashida not black, I don't know what to tell you. Um, because Quincy's definitely black. That's hundred <laughs> percent like clarified, he's black. Um, I think Rashida herself identifies as biracial and that's that's her right to because she is black and white. And so and so is his wife. And so and his wife is white. So yeah, of course she's black and white. But um, Rashida's black. No, and, no, 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 man. Um, and um, yes, um, Kenya Barris's wife in, or ex-wife in real life was also a woman of mixed race, but she was black and white. So I don't understand why people are saying Rashida Jones is not black because her daddy black. So she's at least half black. So I'm not I'm not sure what the conversation is here. Secondly, people were complaining about how light-skinned the kids are. I urge you to Google Kenya Barris and his family and see those kids. I dare say the kids on the show are darker than his actual kids. Um, the, 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 the daughter who was filming the documentary, whose kind of point of view we're seeing in the show, is darker than any of his actual real-life kids. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I help me understand. What, what? And then I heard that people were complaining about, oh, they didn't see natural hair. On the show, I'm like, those kids have biracial people natural hair. Um, I'm not sure, like, what I, I just need people to like kind of help me understand like what it is they want in black content because I feel as if people say black people aren't a monolith. You know, we're you know very diverse, but it's like when you see a, a diversity in blackness that don't look like you, why is that a problem? Or ones ones that you accept? Or the ones that you accept? Why is that the problem? There, not every black person has 4C kinky natural hair. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. 
Not, not, every, not every black person wants to have natural hair. Not every black person wants to have natural hair. That's just that's just life. That's just life. Not every black person is like black, 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 black. There are some black people who are lighter brown than others. Not every black, like not every, not every black person has a bunch of has a bunch of super black stuff in the house. Right, like. Again, as you say, black black is not a monolith. There are a variety, there are a plethora, dare I say, of black shows out there that I'm sure everybody could find one character that they relate to. If you can't find any on this show, that's fine. But there are black people who look like the people on this show who relate to this. If you don't relate to this, go watch, I don't know, anything. Living Single, anything. Martin, anything really. The Cosby Show. Anything like there are so many black shows. This is what I insecure. Like I just don't know because it's just like <laughs> and speaking of insecure. Um, Issa's funny. Um, she makes an appearance in Black AF too, and you know it's like just just thinking about the way the white gays again. So last season, people were complaining about insecure because they felt like Issa was showing a lot of sex scenes but wasn't showing a lot of condom use. So the um, critique was. Insecure is um, promoting or glamorizing casual, risky sex between pe- between people because the scenes weren't specifically showing people putting on condoms. And I'm just like, skirt. Number one, why are you concerned about how it's portraying sex scenes in this? We see sex scenes across all types of shows. Why are you zeroing in on this one show specifically? Is it again, because you're worried about how white people look at young black people and think, Oh, they're sexually promiscuous. Is that what your thought process is? Number two, if a television show has to show condoms for you to know, to put on a condom, to have sex with someone you don't know like that, you shouldn't be having sex. You should probably just be abstinent. Third every, of all... Everything doesn't have to be revolutionary in all places. Yes, everything does not have to so be a message. Real freedom is saying, I can make what I want and not right. have to worry about revolution at all times. Right. Everything does not have to be revolutionary. Yeah, everything, everything does not have to be a statement. Everything, everything but everything should have freedom. Right. Real freedom is saying, I can do what I want. Right. Even if it's belligerent to you, even if it's ignorant, I can still do it. Right. And not worry about backlash because that's what freedom is. Right. It's freedom of being able to do what yeah. you want. Right. And not, not saying like everything I, have to, everything I do does not have to be having a message. Right. And so, but Issa did have a message for the girls on this past week's episode. So in this past week's episode, um, Issa was having sex with um her like new her new interest of the month. I don't know what his name is, but he's like a TSA worker or something. And one of the scenes shows they just finished having sex and the condom is lost. And then they show her in the bathroom, like with the mirror, trying to like reach up to pull the condom out. And then you see the condom come out and like it's content splatter all over the mirror. And I was like, Issa, that's petty. But Issa said, oh, y'all going to talk about not having condom use here. You're going to get a condom, a condom full of what potentially looks like man juice on camera. So now you can see that the people on my show have sex responsibly use condoms. Like the fact that she even felt like she needed to do that because y'all were dragging her and the show for like weeks because of this. I'm just like, y'all realize this is a fictional show. None of the people are actually having any sex. This is all acting. Like I'm just not, I'm not clear about what, 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 what it is you want. Like just, just people gotta just just take things as entertainment just and just, just move on just once just move on just like once. i said to mark yesterday like i'm like 
not for nothing. I completely understand why some black people get rich and be like, I can't do black people. I get it. I don't agree, but I get it. Because it's like, it feels like no matter what you do, it's always like some criticism. And it's just like, why can't I just do what I do? And you just can like not say anything it's, about it's it. It's never revolutionary enough. Even, even if you do all that, it's never revolutionary enough. Right. You're never gonna, you're never doing enough for black people. It's always, it's always the case. The art's not like. Meanwhile, art, the people art, that are art. saying this have never walked a, lay, a day in the shoes that you're in. They don't know the, the situations you're navigating and the ways that you're, you're. Because I'm sure somebody like Kenya Barris, operating in the world that he's operating in is operating with white gaze and trying to navigate it so there can be more people who look like him that are able to enter the industry and do what he's doing. So it's like, you don't know what type of stuff he's like trying to do and maneuver around and to just be like, oh, I don't like this show because Rashida's not black, the kid's not black, he barely black. I'm like, how do you know what the impact of what he's doing with this is? Like, who knows how many doors he's opened for other black people to get a Netflix sitcom? Who knows how many doors he's opened for black actors and actresses and, 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 and production assistants and all these other people to get their foot in the door in Hollywood in the first place? So it's just kind of like, why not celebrate the fact that this person is opening doors and making opportunities potentially for others instead of being like, it's not enough? It's like, what do you want? Like, I, I I just don't understand. Like, what is it that you want from this guy or any of the um, people in Hollywood who happen to be Black who are making content? Like, if you don't like what they're doing, you don't have to like it. Nobody's forcing you to. But also, you just have to be mindful that not everything is for you. Most things are. And they don't have to be. And they don't have to be. It's, it, there are too many Black people in this country for us that... Like, there's no way that any person... Can make one show that would be appealing to every single black person in this country. Not a one. Not a one. Like there are people who think this because because of how a lot. Like I said, it's because of how diverse we are. And people have to understand that, like, because as diverse you are, you're gonna have a lot of different facets. Right. And a lot. Some of them might be positive. Some of them might be not not be positive. Right. And they'll all be different. Different. Right. Like there are shows that I like, like Boomerang and Twenties. I love those two shows. I think they're great. But I could also see how people might not like them. They might not be able to connect with or relate to any of the characters. Like, I relate to those two shows because I'm still in the age range of where, like, the the characters of those shows, like, it, it resonates with me in some way. But I could also see how someone of my parents' generation might be like, what the hell is this? What I'm watching? I'm not interested in this. This isn't my reality. Like, the, like so I'm just kind of like... If it's for you, it's for you. If it's not, it's not. But there's no need to, like, drag somebody through the mud for, for you know, just making content that they feel relates to them. Like, we're all different. And, you know, like, I feel as if this whole white gaze thing is, like, one of the biggest distractions that we deal with as a community. Like... If we could get our minds off of worrying about what white people think about we do it about what we do and onto things that actually matter, I'm like, we could actually make a difference. Cause I'm like, white gaze is something that I understand as a concept, but like I literally don't 
like practice or like consider. And I think it's because growing up on an island where everybody looks like me, white people are not, were never at the forefront of my thought about how to do anything. Like I recognize that Barbados being the way it is, um, you know, one of our quote unquote bragging points is that we're, you know, a little England, which, you know, we don't got to keep all the massive stuff, but all right, whatever. I get it. Um, <laughs> but it's like, I don't even think I had a white teacher as a kid, like not a one. So it's like, I literally never, even though I know that there were certain rules and things that they taught us that were derived from concern for what white people thought, I never felt like I had to act it out with white people present because there weren't any around me. Like I dead can remember, I think I had two white girls in my class. One of whose name, I one of whose name I can't remember, but I know there was like about two white girls in my class when I went to like high school in Barbados. And like, there was a couple white boys scattered throughout like my like grade, but it's like, I forgot that they was white cause they just hung with everybody else. But it's like, I never lived thinking of everything I do, how white people are perceiving it. And I don't really think I started paying attention or realizing that that was a real thing till I moved to the United States. And it's like, over the years, I think it's one of those things that kind of creeps up in the back of my mind. But I feel like I was not thinking about white people for such a long time that I just don't on on a general level. Like, I just be like, oh, yeah, OK. Like, I just don't think about it. But it's like I realize that that's not the reality. Like people here haven't had the luxury of not having to think about it. And while I get why you think about it and how it has been like instrumental in keeping black people safe for centuries i'm also just kind of like at the point where it's like it doesn't matter white people thought black people were property not even humans but like property like a bag or 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 like a pair of shoes you cannot convince someone that thought you were a pair of shoes that you are a worthwhile human being you just can't it's a waste of time if they come to that conclusion on their own super cool but you spending all your time and energy generationally trying to convince them, waste of time. Honest to God, you're better off just figuring out how to be the best you and not worrying about what white people think about black people based on what, not even you, but what another black person that you don't even know do. Because I'm like, the way people are going in on Twitter, I'm like, are any of y'all personally related to Cameron Barrows? Do you? Are you related to any of the people on this show? Like, do you know the person? Like, I'm, I'm failing to understand why you're so worked up about what another black stranger is doing and how that impacts you somehow. I'm like, if a, like, I hear the same argument when people talk about like love and hip hop and Real Housewives and this or that. Oh, it's making black women look bad. To who? Yeah. Have they not already thought that black women look wild? Yeah. What, is the, what, what is this show doing? to dispel the notions of somebody who already thinks this. Like, I'm not... Yeah, and, and this is not... not and this whole thing that. has nothing to do with, like, saying what you should like or not like. I just have to figure out why you don't like something. Right. Like, if, if, you're, if, if you just don't like it because you don't think it's funny, you have a right to not think it's funny. That's completely fine. It's like, if you if, if you don't watch Real Housewives because you don't think it's entertaining, you don't you have a right to not think it's entertaining. 
But to think that th them doing that, you don't want them to do that because it's affecting black people as a whole. You're putting the responsibility of the black of black um, of the entire black like race on, of people on, on across every, the world on everything that they do. That sounds ridiculous. That sounds insane. You sound nuts. Lanithia Leaks is not a representation of me, nor is she a representation of any black woman I know. Lanithia Leaks is a representation of Lanithia Leaks. That is it. She don't have nothing to do with nobody else. Yeah. She might be a representation of her mama at best because her mama raised her, but that's it. It don't have nothing to do with nobody else. So she can get on TV and do whatever she wants. If, if somebody chooses to believe that Lamethia Leakes' portrayal of black women or her demonstration of her black womanhood is an indicator of all black women, then I just don't know what to tell you. You're stupid. It's, 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 you're the idiot. You need to go outside more because you just, you're dumb. And I, I'm not going to acquiesce to you because you're stupid. Right. And it's like, yeah, it's offensive and annoying that people think that, but it's also like you could spend your energy doing much more productive things for sure. Like then, then spending your time worrying about what another stranger is doing somewhere. Word. So you know, whatevs. Anything else? Um, that was it. Um, closing closing message. White gaze is a waste of time. Move on with your life. Be great and black. And once again, be Tyler Perry. Not homosexuals. Just like like G A Z. Okay, grow up. <laughs> <laughs> Just grow up. But you're right. You got to specify because I want to be flagging us saying that we homophobic. You know, because that's just not. It's just not how you. It's not how you live out here in the streets. Yes. Um. All right, let's go into our artist spotlight. Word to big word. Artist spotlight. I don't know why you said it quite like that. All right. Our artist spotlight for season two, episode 20. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is show Baraka. No relation to Barack Obama. It doesn't sound like Barack Obama. I'm just saying, just in case people were wondering. His it sounds like there'll be a play on it. His, his full name is Amisha Baraka Lewis. He was born in Alberta, Canada. He was raised in California. Resided in Texas. Texas. And currently in Atlanta. So all over the place. He's been all over the place. He's been around. <laughs> uh, while he was living in Southern California, during the height of the gangster rap, He's uh look how um gangster rap he um he had many challenges. Um he formed a rap group and was touring with major recording artists. But life took a different turn and a rap group fizzled out and close friends were killed and incarcerated due to gang life that they led. And he yeah. decided to heed his father's advice and apply to college, pursuing education instead of the streets. Alright, it's important. Um, while in college, he um, ran into Lecrae, who we spoke to before, and Tadashi, and like they formed a Christian uh, Christian rap group, mm -hmm. um, and formed Reach Records, mm -hmm. which was a um, record company that they put together. Uh, while in college, he went to, he went to Tuskegee Tuskegee University. You gotta say that HBCU. Right? <laughs> I don't know why I said Tuskegee. I Tuskegee, that. Tuskegee University and the University of North Texas. Um, he studied television, film, anthropology, and public administration. A lot of non-majors. Yeah. <laughs> um, he said, in his words, he says he's become a creative consultant and social thought leader in contemporary culture, and he has spent the last decade traveling the world as a recording artist and public speaker. All right. Um, I actually, me and Kristen actually um, saw him the first time. It was like a propaganda 
speaking thing. It wasn't a, it wasn't a concert. Yeah. It, was, it, was, it was talking about um, the conversation was actually a conversation. Cause what was talk, it about? I'm trying to even remember. It was it was he, he bro- broached a lot of topics about um, racism in Christianity mm-hmm. and how those two kind of um, met uh, match together mm-hmm. and like how Christianity sometimes they just disregarded a lot of racism mm-hmm. that was going on and like it was, it was a very good conversation I was very I was very excited about the conversation yeah because uh, like it was trying to breach a lot of those topics um and like like a lot of times a lot of times people don't think about in terms of um racism that doesn't really talked about in shared spaces mm-hmm. um so it, it, it was a, it was a real good conversation and everything and like and and how like a lot of times those Christian spaces have a lot of racism in them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. it, was, it was it was a very good conversation. So um, the song we're going to play today is a song from his most recent album, which came out in 2016. It was called it's called the narrative, and um, like I said, it was it's very good. Uh, the song we're going to play is called Road to Humble. 1979. This is the song. Let me know what y'all think. I was angry. I was bitter. I was filled with pride. I was selfish. I was foolish to believe those lies. I love hate. Love me. Love rage. Love greed. I didn't love God. I just loved his things. Love approval, love sex, love money, love fame. But I ain't the same. Thank the Lord I changed. I'm trying to fight idolatry and lust. Being good ain't enough. So in God I trust. I got faith. Yeah, okay. Seeking restitution for all my mistakes. Yeah, okay. Look me in my face, homeboy. You see grace. Yeah, okay. Still unashamed, just in a new space. I'm just a little more humble now. In those Kelly streets, acting foolish. Tried to run with those gangsters. I'm allergic to those bullets. Yeah. They say show, be a rapper or a hooper. In Golden State, I'm a warrior. Surrounded by those shooters. Dad raised in the slums. Mama from them Jordan Downs. We moved around like the circus. So I was born to clown. My childhood goal was get them to remember me. It took me 90 years to find my identity. Went to school on some extra cool. T.U. Number one, HBCU. I was glad that the Lord found me. Because he was never lost. Once blind, but now I see more than I ever saw. Check the cross. Is he someone you can hang with? Realize that my views were so tainted. You might have a picture of truth, but he framed it. You can disagree with history, but can't change it. So now I mix a little Augustine with the boys. A little Selassie, I mix it with Mahalia's joy. A C.S. Lewis mind with some Phyllis Wheatley art. A little Sojourner spirit with a King David heart. Clicked up with some brothers. We were ready to reach. With a mic and a track, we was ready to preach, huh? Nothing too deep, nothing too deep. A bunch of Justin Timberlakes, we was all in sync. But years later, I bet I lost my core mission. I'm just rapping for these rich kids like the night before Christmas. No love lost, I just went independent. New vision took risks, some worked, some didn't. Met Swoop, got high. JR, stay fly, met the dopest female since Lauryn Hill's rise. One album was classic, I wish it would've lasted. But then I met James, new sound, new fashion. Never claimed I was the best, the first or the coolest. But one thing you can't do is doubt my influence. I know the father, but I'm viewed like a bastard. I think my friends only share their struggles in the past tense. I've been stressing, I've been fighting off depression instead of confessing my obsession with being impressive. Hearing the chatter, hoping I would be your favorite. Even when they hated me, I should be loving my neighbor. Sometimes I just 
one be anonymous the problem is i love my pride too much but then i love his bride too much but then i think about the lives i touch back when i wasn't thirsty for mainstream attention when i was geeked off a retweet or a single mention when i wasn't too concerned about keeping my platform when it was 10 in the crowd i was happy to rap for him when i wasn't too busy to pick up the phone back when i was geeked just to get a beef of tony stone now they like we happy you back it was backwards for a minute bring the fire to the homies and evacuate the tenants Recharged, remodel, reinvented When they thought I was finished I come back and shock the critics A trendsetter Something like Nikki Tesla I have bright ideas But Edison may do it better Or Steal it or whatever You can call it a shot I just call it being clever Chimney flow I wish I would bring the heat Like a double amputee I will never see defeat I'm rounded third base I'm giving jail Cause the gas face Like how we stand cool Without a fan base Your favorite artist sounds so fake If I wanna hear Drake I will just listen to Drake <laughs> Show you stupid why they sound outdated when they copy in the future. Not to sound obnoxious or seem rude, but when I'm around these crabs, I see food. We sell our soul for the fame and applause. Is a rapper just a prostitute with better PR? Mm. Executives are looking like some pimps. I give up lifting bars like I'm always in the gym. I'm deeply loved, I'm forgiven. I have vision, he has changed my condition on the day he was risen. The price tag on my body bag was too expensive. I was poor in spirit, so I broke out of prison. Axe those Coptics and Egyptians, persecuted Christians. I have tools to fight giants. I don't need Saul's equipment. I know struggle, I have failed. I ain't scared to admit it. It's an honor and a privilege to be made in his image. I have joy, I have peace in the midst of hate. Thank the Lord for his grace, cause now I say I got faith. Yep, 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 yep. Yes, 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 yes. Um, I really like that. Yeah. I may have to download um an album and just get into get into him. It's a nice, it's a nice vibe. He it's kind of like driving music, which is not shady, but like it's just like nice, calm music that you can just kind of like drive and think to. That yeah. makes any sense. Um, so. Let's get into our other topics for the day. This week in random. So, um, <laughs> if you have been alive and on the internet this past weekend, you know that um, Teddy Riley and Babyface were supposed to have one of the IG battles that um, Swiss Beats and uh, Timbaland have made a thing now that we are in quarantine. Um, so people were very, very excited about this uh, Swiss Beats. I mean, not Swiss Beats, this um, Teddy, Riley and, Teddy Riley and Babyface battle. So, you know, it was supposed to happen, I think, two, three weeks ago. But um, Babyface had the Rona. He was recovering. So they said, we're not going to do whatever date this is. We're going to move it to two weeks from... What's confirmed? He had a run of his... He, it was confirmed. He said it out of his own mouth. 
that he had it. And um, so they rescheduled it to this past Saturday, I think it was. It was supposed to happen. So, you know, the people got ready. I'm not going to front. I was asleep. So I kind of missed it. But, you know, the Internet never fails. And so it was up on YouTube by the time I woke up at like 1130 at night. So I went and watched it. And it was 45 minutes of awkward. Okay. Um, so, you know, if you are on the Internet or have been on the Internet, you've already seen the memes and, you know, the videos like it's out there. But, you know, Teddy Riley, I just, you know. Teddy Riley and Babyface, like, those are both, like, heavy hitters in the music industry. Like, they have been, they have worked with some of the biggest artists um, of our time. They have been uh, associated as producers or writers or artists on some of the biggest songs of the past three or four decades. Starting with Love. They're starting, they're just, (laughs) listen, they are iconic. And that is just the stone cold african-american fact they are iconic um they're both men of a certain age i did not realize that uh baby face was 62 whole years old mm-hmm. um and i believe teddy riley is in his 50s like neither one of them looks their age um but they sure did act their age on that instagram live you better believe it teddy riley's 52 so yeah teddy riley's a smooth 10 years younger than Babyface. so Let's do a quick run through of the live. So Teddy Riley came to the live um, with the outfit, um, a, a burgundy, um, what do you call it, um, sweatsuit situation. Mm-hmm. Um, according to Black AF, um, expensive sweatsuits are the vibe for rich black men um, in the entertainment industry. And I guess um, Teddy Riley got the memo. So he showed up um, with a matching fedora. Um, and Babyface showed up in his signature Velvet jacket, white shirt, skin looking great, hair, hair coiffed, you know, the huge. Um, So I think, you know, we all kind of settled in for what we thought would be a great battle. Because again, these two are hit makers. Um, there is no questioning their legacy. I don't know what kind of service um, Teddy Riley had over at his house. Well, first of all, let's talk about how Teddy Riley had a whole entire band in there. He had about 35 mic stands, three mics, a drummer a keyboard player, a hype man, a DJ. It was 80, 11 people inside that room. Me couldn't understand why. And when I tell you that sound was just atrocious. I have heard better sound at storefront churches than what I heard over at Teddy Riley's house. I said, Teddy Riley, why is you on my on my Instagrams behaving like this? Like, you are better than this. Don't Like, I think he came trying to do, trying to give us performance. He was trying to give us a show. He was trying to give us a moment, which I appreciate. But it's an IG battle, my guy. It's it's Instagram. Like maybe he don't know how Instagram works, but it's, you, it, I it's think Instagram. It, it, like, it would have been not, different if like the tech team had it together. I think it, 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 like he wanted he he probably done done a lot, but at least this uh, the sound was right. I feel like it would have been different. It just looked crazier because Babyface was inside of a studio by himself. Mm-hmm. Like baby, <laughs> at one point the sound was so bad. That Teddy Riley was telling Babyface to turn his microphone down. Babyface was like, "I sure." He was like, "It's just me in here. I'm social distancing. I'm just in here by myself." And I fell out because I'm just like, "You had to watch it because Babyface just Babyface is a gentleman. He's completely like a classy gentleman." But Babyface was sitting up there looking like, "Stop playing with me on this internet. Cut it. Cut it. 
I think, I think Babyface I, was so through. Like you could tell from his facial expression, like he was just like, "Why y'all playing with me?" I mean, I was the, my favorite part of the whole video was hype man. The hype man in the back of the fan. <laughs> that was my favorite. I hope out of everybody that that got fired that night, he was not one of the people that got fired because I don't know what was happening with them sound people. I don't know what was happening, but nobody could get that sound right. Nobody. Like it just. Yeah. Can you hear me? Can you hear me now? Like it legit That's sounded like that Sprint commercial. But can you hear me? Can you hear me now? For forty-five African American minutes. That hype man was going in. That, that hype man, he, he kept the pace though. He did he, not let. He, he was ready. He did not let the technical difficulties stop him from doing his job. He, he said, was like, "I was, he was, like, I was I'm, contracted I'm to, to come and bring the energy, and I'm, that's what I'm, I'm here do. to bring the energy." Yeah, and that's what he did. And you know what? We have to applaud that man. I hope he did get um, <laughs> a tip or like a slight bump on what his fee was because he did his job. I can't speak for everybody else in the room, but that hype man did his job. I felt bad for Teddy Riley because it's like. I know how it feels when you have an idea in your mind about how something's going to go, and, and then, then it go the exact opposite. None of it goes well. In front of 400,000 people? Please. Um, yeah, that, that's that's one way to not fail in front yeah. of 400,000 people. And people was in the comments dragging Teddy for his life. Um, Tyrese, we also got to talk about why. He, Tyrese got to stop using the internet, stop spelling, just, you know, everything. Because I guess they were going back. At one point, they were like, should we start over? So then they started over. And then the technical issues with um, Teddy's sound came up again. So I think people were saying, all right, let's just wrap it up. Because, you know, it looked crazy now. And um, Tyrese commented, throw in the towel. But he spelled towel like tile. Like the tile you put on the floor. And, you know, the internet's been dragging Tyrese for that for a while. And I'm just like, is Tyrese on drugs? Like, can somebody do a wellness check? Because Tyrese, no, like Tyrese has been doing some really weird things for the last like two or three years. And I'm just like, is there a mental health or drug issue that somebody's not talking about? Because I need, mm-hmm. I think so. I just, I just need to find out what's wrong with Tyrese. Cause Tyrese has been on one for several years now. And it's, it's, I'm alarmed, you know? Um, I know that Tyrese, you know, made Sweet Lady when he was like 16 or 17 and that like sent him on his way. And, you know, he might not have been back to school since, but I I don't understand why tile was like the tile, like the tile off the floor. Like, why would we be throwing the tile? It's so confusing. Um, I just, that's what he said. Um, I didn't, I didn't write that. Um, so, yeah, the battle kind of ended, but it never really started. It was just 45 minutes of can you hear me, can you hear me, can you hear me, and sketchy sound um, coming from Teddy Riley's part. Um, so they decided to reschedule it for um, Monday. Monday. Um, we're recording this on Monday, so we watched the the uh, the updated version. It was much better, but again, in, it, this time it was Instagram's fault. Um there were two. There were almost five hundred thousand people. I think it reached over five hundred thousand people on the live, and basically it broke Instagram. Like Instagram could not manage the amount of people on the live, so like it cut off at one point, and then Babyface went on separately and was trying to add Teddy Riley, but it was telling him he couldn't add Teddy. Then Teddy went on Instagram live on his on his um account to try to add Babyface. Like Instagram just could not handle it. I guess apparently somebody from Instagram called them and was like, "Yeah, we sorry, our our servers aren't set up for." All the traffic y'all got over here. So the legendary Babyface and Teddy Riley did get the hat, did have the battle. Um, I think they played maybe about, I, I want to say like thirteen or fourteen rounds between the two of them before it before Instagram just crashed. Oh, okay. And they couldn't continue. 
So it was like they weren't able to go back and forth anymore. Like you kind of had to, if you wanted to see both, you kind of had to flip between the lives of the two of them because each other's lives wouldn't allow the other person to add that person in. And so it just was like, it was just too much. So I think half the people went to Teddy Riley's, half the people went to Baby Faces and they just kind of finished it out there. Um, but it was a good battle. And I do think, you know, they did kind of say that they they would like to try it again, but we'll see if that happens. Um, but it was funny because um, when they were trying to go back and forth about getting them on this time around, Babyface, apparently Babyface called somebody over at Teddy Riley's and was like, after I play the song, I'm gone. Um, I'm not coming back. Because um, I think Teddy Riley stayed on for a little while longer and kept doing his thing. But uh, Babyface was like, Zama, you know, last time just... this time, this most recent time. Babyface was like, we played, he got on his guitar, he brought on his guitar, he sang some songs. Then he was like, you know, I recovered from COVID-19 and, you know, in all this craziness that's going on, I'm going to just close out with this song. So he played um, Count On Me by Whitney and um, and uh, CeCe Winans. And then he um, mixed it into When You Believe by Whitney and Mariah. And he closed it out. It was beautiful. And I heard, it was funny because when I heard him call on Teddy Riley's side, the person was like, yeah, Faye said he's not coming back on after this. He's playing this last song and he out. Uh, I was like, Babyface is such, such an old man. Babyface <laughs> is past my damn bedtime. I've been on here two whole hours. I'm not fooling with this technology no but, more. But even when they were trying to connect, they were like mad old men. Yeah, they, it, was, it was the craziest thing. I said, we have got to get these uncles off the television because they're just over here like, all right, people in the comments like, press the button, press the button. And the both of them just like, huh? Where? What? I don't see it. And they're like, scroll down, scroll down. Yeah, scroll. This is what I all the people in the damn studio because they don't know how to do it. So, oh my God. This is all the people in the studio. It's, it's right. literally watching your uncle or your daddy in them trying to operate some social media and it's just like, I just... You want to like pull your eyelashes out one by one because it would be more tolerable to do that than to watch these grown old men try to navigate. And you know, all of them, they was both texting with the one index finger. They weren't even using their thumbs. It was just put the glasses up. But oh, just a travesty all the way around. Um, but this this second go around was definitely better. But that first one, my God, it was a tragedy. Get on the internet, yo. Tony Braxton was clowning. You hear me? Tony Braxton was on Twitter clowning. She was like. Somebody call me when they play one of my songs because um, this is cringe. I can't, I can't go on with this. She said at one point she was like, "Now Teddy, now Teddy, you know this sound, you know face ain't messing with your sound. Cut it out." <laughs> it was funny, like just the way the internet. You know, we ain't got nothing better to do. We all at the house. Yeah. So like the various memes and like screenshots of like tweets that people made, just gold. So if you want something to laugh at in these trying times. If you follow me on Facebook, go on my Facebook page. I have about 67 memes that were compiled and presented as one um, Facebook post. And, you know, I did my part um, to help the world and I shared it on my page. So if you would like to get into it, it's there for you That's right. to read so you can get an idea of what the first battle looked like. Because, my God, what a tragedy. Um, but this, this one was a lot better. Um, so, yeah. What's up next on the agenda? So uh, New York is on pause until May 15th. No surprise there. I think we all kind of knew keep going for that was happening. Um, they're going to keep giving us like a couple weeks at a time. Because the reality is, though nobody want to say it, we might be going to be inside till August. No one wants to say that because it yeah. just seems too far away. But it's probably So they're going to keep coming back with them every couple of weeks. Say, hey, guys, so we're just going to extend it another, another month. Another because month, another month. If, once it goes down, they're just going to tell everybody to go out because we're back. Yeah. And a lot of stores now have signs on their doors like, don't come in here if you ain't got a mask. They're going to say, come in, but just have a mask. 
So but if you're a seamstress, now is the time to get you some fabric and secure a bag. But the problem is people are, gonna, people are not going to wear masks. And then, and then we're going to be back to square one because people are nasty um, and like to spread their diseases, which I don't appreciate. Also, just for like this time, I know you might want to watch it. Don't watch Fox News anymore. Just now. Because they keep telling you to go outside and you're going to die. Yeah, I wouldn't <laughs> so, recommend it. So just stop. Stop. Don't. Yeah. Like, I usually don't support them ever, but just right now, I don't want you to die. So maybe don't listen to them. But speaking of Fox 5, um, they have Fox encouraged, News. or Fox News or whoever, they have encouraged people from various states to go around protesting the shutdown um, laws. So, you know, people were, what was it, Ohio or one of them places was running around protesting that they didn't want the shutdown. They need to reopen the businesses, blah, 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 blah. And they're walking around with guns and stuff on the street. I'm like, I feel like if y'all get the COVID, that's your fault. Because you, you want to be outside so bad. You know, I, listen, listen, you want to be outside that bad? Um, Sure. Just know that you are opening yourself and your families up to COVID. Go fight win. Go be great. Um, And I think two of our more um Fox News leaning states, Florida and Georgia, have opened back up or plan to open back up. So like people have been on the beach in Florida. I certainly expect the coronavirus cases to spike because there was no social distancing of any kind happening. It was hella people on the sand, like it was any old regular summer day. And then Georgia's getting ready to open back up, um, you know, restaurants and different things like that. So it's just going to be more people gathering, which means more coronavirus spreading. It's good times. Because that's what people want. People are like, we got to open things back up so you can die. Like, um, hello? Yeah. Do you realize that the reason you're still alive and healthy is because things aren't open? What do you think is going to happen when you go back outside and, th- and and this disease has not been properly contained and controlled? You're going to get sick or you're going to make your family sick. Like, is outside that important that you're willing to die? Like, don't get me wrong. I completely understand, you know, for the people whose jobs have been furloughed. And I get it. You got to take care of your family and you got to do this. I understand all of that. But also, is it worth your life and the life of your family? Like, I just don't see what the urgency is to go outside when nothing has happened since the World Health Organization declared this a pandemic that has given the impression that we are in the safe zone to go outside and to start doing things like normal. Like, we don't have a tablet you can take for this. We don't have a vet. We don't have anything. Like, it's still out there, catchable and spreadable. So I'm just, I'm unclear about why people are so pressed to be outside. Don't get me wrong. I understand. Being in the house day in and day out, it wears on you. It is a, It takes a mental toll. It don't care. It don't matter where you live, whether you live in a, a hundred square foot apartment or you live in a 10,000 square foot house. When you can't move freely as you are accustomed to when you were literally doing it two months ago, I completely understand how you can get antsy and just start to lose your mind. But like, it it's not serious enough for you to risk your life and be around people whose hygiene habits and practices and immune system and health you have no idea about. Like, you going outside to be at the bars and to this and to that for what? To get corona from somebody? Like, I, I'd rather stay at the house. I, I, 
I'm I'm good. I appreciate um, Governor Cuomo saying, hey, we're going to pump the brakes until May 15th. And if you come back and say we're going to pump them until June 15th, that's fine too. Because I what I want to know when I go outside, when they say it's open back officially, I want to know that I'm not going out there walking into a giant vat of coronavirus. Okay. Yes. I just do not want to <laughs> walk into a giant vat of contagious coronavirus. I don't want that. That's right. So I, I would rather sit my behind at the house and just kind of deal than um, deal with the vat coronavirus. Deal with the vat coronavirus. Listen, New York City and riding the subway is a vat of coronavirus, okay? I'm not going front. I'm completely shocked that I didn't get it or that people, more people from my job and my immediate department didn't get it. Because everybody in my department rides some type of public transportation to get to work. I think with the exception of one person, everybody else takes the subway or the bus or the Metro North or the PATH train or something to get to work every day. So I'm just like, I was shook because we all take public transportation. I was like, dang, half the office about to be sick. But like, shockingly, wasn't really anybody got sick like that. Yeah. Um, speaking of Governor Cuomo, um, there's a clip. I don't know if you saw it. Oh, come hold up, up that thing. I didn't see it. Governor Cuomo um, was doing one of his daily press conferences where he comes out and announces, you know, where we are in the in the process of dealing with this coronavirus and what we're doing. And so um, he was giving the conference and a reporter asked him a question. He said, oh, the president just tweeted something about, you know, he feels like New York inflated the number of beds they needed to deal with the virus, blah, 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 blah. I don't know why that reporter lady opened her mouth and said that. Cuomo said, word? I've got, a, I've got a few minutes. He said, and I'm paraphrasing, but you can go on the internet and find it. I'm paraphrasing. But what he said was, first of all, the numbers of beds that I requested was based on the projections that I got from the CDC who is overseeing this coronavirus pandemic response. I'm, they, I'm I ordered based on the number of, of uh, people that they projected that we would need to accommodate here in New York. So if you're telling me I asked for too many, Mr. President, it's because you gave me the wrong numbers. Maybe you should read the reports that you put out and what's in them before you try to come for me. I was like, well, damn. Then he went on to give him a lesson of the, on the Constitution because I guess Trump said something like, oh, um, you know, I would like for the country to open back up, you know, sooner rather than later, but it's up to the governors. And Cuomo was like, yeah, I already know that. Um, Alexander Hamilton, James Madison, the guys that wrote the Constitution, they told me that. So I know that as the governor of New York, I can open the state back up whenever I feel like it's okay. You can't make me do it. I can do it whenever I want. I was like, okay. <laughs> then he went on to say, um, the, the, the World Health Organization came out and said, this is, or the CDC came out and said, we need to have at least 2.4 million ventilators on hand to address this issue of coronavirus patients. In this country, our hospitals, no, no, no. It was about um, hospital beds. He was saying they were, they were projecting 2.4 million hospital beds. The entire United States hospital system only has 900,000. He's like, so if these are the numbers you're giving me, if I come to you and say I need 2,500 over here, how am I wrong? 
Help me understand that he was talking about the whole ventilator thing and how um, the president was saying that he was exaggerating. He was like, and that he and that um, Cuomo was trying to get the gov the the government stockpile. Cuomo was like, y'all only had ten thousand. That's a stockpile. I was like, you're right. For a country this large, ten thousand is not a stockpile. Yeah. Um. Then he went on to talk about um how the president keeps saying he um, Cuomo isn't thankful. He's like, I've said thank you for doing your job several times. I've said thank you. How, what does he want me to send him some flowers? Like, what does he want? He must have said thank you like five times. And I think, and the way I'm saying it does not really capture how funny it is. But just imagine like a, a straight up like hand to God New York Italian guy <laughs> talking. It's just like, <sighs> he's like, what does he want from me? What does he want? I said, thank you, Mr. President. Thank you, Mr. President. Like, what is he? Like, it was hilarious. Like, it's like 15 minutes of just pure joy. And I said, I'm sure that lady regret even asking that question. Because Cuomo was like, I have, I have real problems. And you're over here playing around, talking about some other stuff. And apparently after Cuomo responded, uh, Trump was like, oh, okay. And just moved on to tweeting about something else because he didn't have no response. Because everything that the reporter read that he said Cuomo addressed it like point by point like bro I'm busy trying to keep New York from collapsing I need you because I think Cuomo actually Cuomo actually opened it up and said well you know you know I think he's because uh, I think Trump also said something in his tweet like you know these governors need to be working harder or something and Cuomo was like well if he's watching he's if he's on TV watching me work I can't imagine that he's actually working maybe he should get up and go work and then that's how he kicked it off. And I was like, oh, so he's, I see where he's at today. He's, he's ready to kind of, you know, just come for the throat. And that he did. So you can get on the internet and find it. It's beautiful. It's, it's just what we need at this time in our lives. He's, you know, Cuomo's a treasure. He's a treasure. Like I, I just. At, at this time. At this time. I he's, truly, he's, he's good for emergencies. He's good. For, and you go with it is because it's like, he's one of the few people who's not like tap dancing around yeah. the president. Like he's just calling a spade, a spade, and he's just like, listen, I don't have time. It's just happening over here. I don't, I can't be over here talking to children, okay? Uh, I got uh, I got to manage the situation I'm dealing with here. And they were talking about having a president? No. I don't idea. think he would do it. But I don't think it's a good idea. It's, I don't think it's a good idea. I, he I got think, some skeletons in his process that'll yeah, fall out. He, we just don't, we need to do things. He is good inside. for emergencies. Yes. Being good for emergencies doesn't mean you're good at all times. Because if you're saying good for emergencies, then Rudy Giuliani is technically a presidential candidate, and we know that's exactly, not true. Exactly. That's what I'm trying to say. Some, good for emergencies does not mean you're good for everybody. Yeah. 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 Everything and for everybody. But like he, he said multiple times, Cuomo, that he has no interest in, in doing that. He, he's like, I'm, I'm good. Thanks. Yeah. I'm good love. Enjoy. But yeah, um, that's, what's, that's what's happening in these, uh, in these streets. Anything else that you... That you want to talk about? That you want to bring up? Anything that's on your mind? Um, you're gonna to have to like send me that because I sure didn't read it. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just right. being honest. Ready for the T-tips? Yes. All right, BLM T-tips. La la la. La la. All right. Um, we're doing number five from the ten things small business owners should be doing during the quarantine. And number five is take a complete analysis of your business. While your business is on break, it might be good to take time and give your business an honest analysis. Take advantage of this downtime to assess what works and what does not, so that you can come out of this period as a much stronger business. Some things you should do are, number one, create a SWOT analysis. Um, get your strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats. 
Number two, create a logic model. Number three, observe and research your current competition. Number four, cut back on the things that are unnecessary. Number five, invest more time in the things that work. Number six, review the effectiveness of every part of your business. Number seven, review your up-to-date finances and set goals for where you would like to be at the, by the end of the year. What is that? One, two, three, four, five, what was it? Seven. Research other suppliers that might give you a better value. Next one, send out a survey to past customers. Next, dream about where you want to take it in 5, 10, 20 years. And last one, review your Google Analytics. Mm -hmm. Get that complete analysis of your business. All right. And if you need us to help you with the marketing analysis of your business, email us please at contact at theblm.com. Word, word, word. Do we have anything else? Nah, I think that's it. Okay. I think that's it. I think we had a good pod. Um, it's a good conversation. Um, we're recording this at a very unusual time. I won't tell anybody what time it is that we're recording this, but... Um, but it's not far away from when it's released. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, this is, this is kind of the life we're living. Um, you know... I need outside to open back up so that our, our recording schedule can go back to um, what it used to be. Cause yeah, this this at home recording situation is not El Vibo. Okay. Let me tell you, it ain't uh, it. But you know what? I I am grateful that we are still able to do it and we haven't had to take a hiatus. Yeah. I will say this though, I am certainly looking forward to episode twenty six, our season finale, because me is need a break. Yes. Okay. I don't know about anybody else, but I. I need a break. Work. All right. Um. So we'll catch you later. Thank you so much once again. Subscribe. 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 To subscribe. To our podcast website, alloveNoFearPcast.com. Yes. Follow us on the socials, All Love No Fear. P1 or PCast. P1 or PCast on Twitter, IG, Facebook. All um, of the things. All of the things. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Remember, we're on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Himalaya, Podbean, iHeartRadio, um, our website, all of nofearpcast.com. Um, I think that's all the places our podcast is at. Um, you know, just Google us. If you Google us, like all of our things will will pop up and you can just follow us and listen just Google wherever you are. Just Google, Google me, like Tiana Taylor said. Um, yeah. I think that's it. We're going to head out. Um, until next time, we, we bid you, you adieu. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, boy. Yeah, yeah. It's the All Love No Fear Podcast. Hey. It's hey. the All Love No Fear Podcast. Hey. Check us out. It's the All Love. Oh, No Fear Podcast. Uh-huh, uh-huh. All Love. Oh, No Fear Podcast.